in verse number one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice the Lord is in the position of the shepherd. He is in the driver's seat. In other words, he is the shepherd. I'm the sheep, not the other way around. A lot of Christians like to be the one in the driver's seat, right? Have you ever seen that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot? Well, the problem with that bumper sticker is the fact that the co-pilot can take over the controls and say, I don't really like the way we're flying. We need to allow the Lord to be the shepherd, to be the one in, in charge. That is his position. In his little book on the 23rd Psalm, published in 1899, the evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman suggested that we should learn to emphasize every word of this particular phrase. The Lord. That literally means Jehovah. The eternal, self-existent God, the King, eternal, immortal, immortal, and invisible. This Jehovah, this Lord, the Lord is. Not was, not someday will be. The Lord is my shepherd. Present tense, right now, at this very moment, he is the shepherd. He's the shepherd in your life in the here and now. And then it says that little word, the Lord is my. Don't you like that word? A personal pronoun. You see, he is my shepherd today and he is your shepherd today. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or even the Lord is the shepherd, although it could have said that. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Aren't you glad that he's your shepherd today? But I would like to just say this about that truth. The Lord cannot really be my shepherd until the shepherd is my Lord. You've got to allow him to be the Lord and the master of your life. And then he can indeed at that point be your shepherd. He is my shepherd, which means he loves me. He loves me. You remember in John, in the book of John, where Jesus said, I am the great shepherd. And he cares for the sheep and he gave his life for the sheep. That's what the cross of Calvary all was. It was the shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. He's the great shepherd. He knows and wants what's best for me as the shepherd, I'm not, or as the sheep. I'm not going to always understand why he's leading me here or there, but he is going to lead me to what is best for me. And while things like what we just heard this morning are not welcomed news, difficult times come into our life, no doubt. God is able to make good come out of even the difficult news. Uh, those of us who've been saved for any length of time can testify and say, I've seen that happen. Where a trial has entered our life and it's like, why, why, shepherd, are you taking me over here to this trial? I don't want to graze over in this area. 
the Lord knows because he's the shepherd that we need it and it is for our good. And we get out of sync when we try to become the shepherd and say, well, Lord, I know you're the shepherd, but I kind of know a little bit better about what I need in my life. Oh, really? We don't. And he is the shepherd and we are the sheep not the other way around. And so let's make sure that he stays in his proper position and we stay in ours. So the Lord's position. Secondly, in this passage, we see the Lord's provision. We see the Lord's provision in in verse number one. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. And then David said, I shall not want. He said, basically, the fact that God is my shepherd means that I don't really have any other needs because I have him as my shepherd. I can just totally trust him and all of my needs will be taken care of. Aren't you glad that's the truth? Now notice it's, he promises to provide all of my needs, not all of my greeds. You say, hey, the Lord's my shepherd. Where's my Ferrari? Uh, Well, it's not going to probably come today. But he provided the greatest need of all, which was our, the need of salvation. I'm thankful that he met our greatest need when he sent Jesus to this earth to become the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. So glad that he did that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, sometimes we can get kind of fearful about where the next meal is going to come from or, or how am I going to pay for that bill or what's going to happen in the future. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? He goes on to say later in that chapter, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. And it says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And then he encourages us all to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. The Lord, as our great shepherd, will provide all of our needs. Therefore, we, need, we like David, need to say, I shall not want. We need to be content with the things that God has given us. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. And we need to have a trust in the Lord that He is going to provide our needs. Even when we start getting hungry and we start getting fearful, where is that next meal going to come from? The Lord's our shepherd. Trust Him. Trust Him. Can I remind us, too, that covetousness is a sin? We talk about uh, some of the other bigger sins out there, right? And this one kind of gets swept under the rug, but it is indeed a sin. In fact, if you remember in the Ten Commandments, this is one of them. Exodus 20 and verse 17, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, and on it goes about coveting what your neighbor has. So we need to be content and leave covetousness in the past. Psalm 34 and verse number 9 says, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, 
for there is no want to them that fear him. Let me break that down and explain it just real quick. Those that fear the Lord, those that trust him, have kind of no worries. Because they know that God is going to provide for their next need. It doesn't matter how big or small, they know that their needs are going to be met because he's the shepherd. And he's going to provide for me. He's also going to provide some guidance and direction in my life. And as a result, I, like a good sheep, need to follow his leadership. As he leads, I need to follow. I think about uh, George Mueller, and I maybe shared this once before, but in the, in the late 1800s, George Mueller operated an orphanage. If you've never read a book on George Mueller, I would challenge and encourage you to do so. It'll challenge your Christian life. It'll challenge your faith and your trust in your shepherd. He operated an orphanage that had one time had 1,000 orphans in this orphanage. Amazing ministry. One morning, there was no food to eat. But he called all the children and staff together. Well, before that happened, uh, the workers there approached him and said, Mr. Mueller, there's no food to serve the children. What are we going to do? He said, well, we're going to pray. And so he got all the children and staff together and prayed, thanking God for the provision of food, even though there was no food on the table. Well, a few moments later, a baker knocked on the door. He told Mr. Mueller that God had led him somehow to bake bread the night before and give it to the orphanage. Well, before the bread was given to the children, a milkman knocked on the door. He said that his milk truck had broken down and he wanted to give the milk to the orphanage. You see, when God is your shepherd, you really have nothing to want because he's going to provide for all of your needs. And I'm so thankful for that. So we see the Lord's position. We see the Lord's provision. I want you to see, thirdly, the Lord's path. In verse number three, it says, He restoreth my soul. Well, verse two, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me again in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The Lord's path. And He does lead us and He does guide us as our great shepherd. And this path, it's got some, it, it's a wonderful path and it's a path of righteousness. It's a path of life. It's a path of mercy and truth. It's a path enlightened by the word of God. If you recall Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So as we walk along, the, the word of God sheds light so that we know what next step to take. This path requires complete trust in God. Do you remember Psalm, or Proverbs 3, 5 and 6? A very famous passage of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him. And then what's the promise? He shall direct your path. So when it comes to the shepherd, we've got to trust Him as He leads us and guides us. By the way, can I just say this too about this path that God wants to take us on? This path is enjoyable. Is it always perfect? Is it always ups and mountaintops? No. 
Sometimes it's in the valley, which we'll see in the next verse, right? But the, the whole journey is you look back and say, wow, that was pretty enjoyable. I'll turn, over, <coughs> excuse me, turn over to Psalm 119. Keep your uh, finger there in Psalm 23, but look over in Psalm 119, verse 35. I just want to show you a verse. Psalm 119 and verse number 35 is where we're going to look here. Here the psalmist says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. And then it says, For therein do I delight. I delight in the path that God wants to take me in. It's something to enjoy. It's not something to uh, have reservations about. It's something to uh, want to sign up for and to volunteer for. So this path that the Lord wants to take us, I would encourage you as a sheep to be a good follower as he's leading you on this path. Share a story. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, uh, a day that those of us who were alive at that point uh, will never forget where we were. But on that morning, Mike... Uh, Hingston sat at his desk on the 78th floor of the World Trade Center North Tower. But he was not alone. You see, under his desk lay napping his faithful companion, Roselle, a two-year-old yellow lab guide dog. Mike was blind, so he needed a guide dog. Well, upon impact from the plane, the building shuttered and Roselle was roused from her sleep. She ventured from beneath the desk and waited for a command to spring into action. Unsure of which way to go to escape the encroaching chaos, Mike took firm grip of her harness and simply said, forward. That was all the encouragement Roselle needed to take control of the situation. With smoke and noise, congestion and confusion filling the hallways, Roselle purposefully and determinedly steered Mike from his desk to the stairwell or to the center stairwell. Roselle was calm as ever, he said, and did not sense any danger in the flames, smoke, or anything else around us. And I chose to trust her judgment because Roselle and I were a team. I clutched Roselle's harness, and with focus and confidence, we headed down the 1,463 stairs to fresh air and freedom. Michael is the author of a book called Thunder Dog, the true story of a blind man, his guide dog, and the triumph of trust at ground zero. I can imagine the only thing more frightening than being trapped in that burning inferno of the World Trade Towers that day would have been trapped there blind. Truth be told, we're all blind to some degree. You might be able to see just fine. Well, I can see just fine as long as I have my other eyes on. When faced with crisis, we all must look to a guide, one who is better equipped to sense the danger and to forge a safe way through the crowd. Jesus is our great shepherd who wants to lead and guide his sheep to keep us safe. He waits patiently for us to simply say forward. He needs no other encouragement to spring into action. Will you take hold of his harness and move forward into fresh air and freedom? It's a good thought. 
as it comes to the Lord's path. Number four, I want us to see the Lord's presence. The Lord's presence, and this is found in verse number four. David say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I think all of us could use a little comforting today. You know, the greatest antidote to fear and to pain is the realization of God's presence in my life. Next week, and and what I was planning to do this morning was to preach on the omnipresence of God. I'm looking forward to doing that next week, Lord willing. And so I won't say a lot about this, but I do want us to turn to Psalm 46 regarding God's presence. Because this passage of Scripture has been a blessing to me this week as I've been studying this. I was studying this passage for my other message, but I think it applies here when we talk about the Lord's presence in time of difficulty. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. And I like this, a very present help in trouble. He's very present in our lives right now. And I like verse 2 where the Psalmist said this, therefore, because he is my refuge, because he is my strength, and because he's present in my life, therefore will we not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. And it goes on down and it says in, uh, let's see here, uh, verse number... uh, Where'd it go? Verse number 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. So here we we understand that no matter what may go on around us, we can have uh, confidence and we can have comfort and peace because of his presence in our life. Yeah, verse 5 says in that verse, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So you see God's presence in our lives acts as a a deterrent from fear and a deterrent from, uh, or or, as a comforting uh, truth in our life. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, well, in in a sense, we've, we've done that today, haven't we? We've gone through that valley in our hearts. But we can fear no evil because he's with us. And I want to just encourage us during this time, and when we go through difficult times, that's not the time to veer away from the shepherd. That's time to get closer to the shepherd. It's time to develop a closer walk with the Lord during these difficult times in our life. So we see the Lord's presence A couple more thoughts and then we'll be done this morning. The Lord's protection in verse number 5 back in Psalm 23. Psalmist said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Oh, a whole bunch more could be said on this passage of Scripture and you've heard much better sermons on it in the past, I'm sure. 
But here we see the, uh, the character in, in, in Psalm 23. They're in, in, in a, are surrounded by a bunch of enemies. And, and the shepherd here kind of sets up a table and says, Hey, you have nothing to fear because I'm here and you can have the protection that only I can offer. You see, in the midst of my enemies, he not only protects me, but he also offers abundant life. So much so that he anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. In the midst of mine enemies, in the midst of all the evil around me, I can still have joy. Aren't you glad for that? God still does want us to give, a, give us joy. When I think of the Lord's protection, I, I, I read a story about a missionary uh, named John Patton. He was a missionary in uh, New Hebrides Islands, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But one night, these hostile natives actually surrounded the mission station, intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them. Well, Patton and his wife prayed during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see their attackers were gone. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ, and he was saved. Well, remembering what had happened that night, Patton asked the chief what had kept him from burning down the house and killing them that evening. The chief replied in surprise, What do you mean? I mean, there was, I wanted to ask you, who were all those men with you there? Well, Patton knew that no men were present. But the chief said he was afraid to attack because he had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn sword circling the mission station. The Lord had protected these missionaries. The Lord desires to protect us as well. Let's wrap it up this evening or this morning with this last thought. Number six, the Lord's promise. Verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What a great promise. You see, God's promise to David was that goodness and mercy would follow him. And God's promise to all of us, too, is that goodness and mercy would follow us. You say, goodness, today isn't filled with goodness. I understand what you're saying. But the Lord, the great shepherd, can turn tragedy into triumph, can't he? Romans 8.28, a verse that we all know and love, says, and we know. In other words, we have the confidence, we are persuaded that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. God is able to take things like what had happened yesterday and still bring good about from it. I know it blows our minds to think that way. But it's true. That's how great and powerful our God is. To, say, to take something that difficult and make it a blessing to someone down the road. Imagine someone coming to Christ because of this. God could do that. A real life example and, and, a, and a stark example in Scripture is the man of, by the name of Joseph. Remember, he was sold into slavery because his brothers were jealous of him and his relationship with his dad. 
They got 30 pieces of silver for their, for their brother, and they kind of split it amongst themselves. Joseph then was uh, serving in Potiphar's house and doing a great job. And Potiphar said, you can have everything. You're in charge of everything in the entire house. The only thing you don't have access to is my wife. Well, unfortunately, his wife wanted to have access to him. So she chased him, and he ran out of there. He left his coat but kept his character. She kept his coat and told everybody the lie that he tried to force himself on me. He was put into prison. Well, in prison, there he excels and does well there, too. He's now in charge of all the other prisoners. Finally, the butler and the baker get put in there from King Pharaoh, right? They have a dream, and, and they get released. Well, one of them, both of their dreams come true. And the one that lives is supposed to remember Joseph, but he forgets Joseph. He's sitting there going, come on, hurry up, remember me, and he just carried on with his life. All of a sudden, Pharaoh had a dream that needed to be interpreted, and he called everybody over, and no one was able to interpret it. Finally, one said, hey, I remember in my time in, in prison, there was a guy named Joseph, and he was able to interpret my dream, and it came true, and I, and I bet if we pulled him out. We all know the story, how he was pulled out and interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and, and eventually the, the, the whole land there had famine, and, and uh, he was made vice president, right? Well, the brothers come back, and... That reunite the, the the reunion between brothers and the brothers were were thinking this is going to be a bad reunion. <laughs> they were scared, but here's what Joseph's response to all the difficult things that took place in Joseph's life along the years. He said, "But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as this day to save much people alive." God's promise to us is that surely goodness and mercy will follow us. That doesn't mean everything we're going to love. That means that God's going to make good come out of the things that happen in our life. And this propelled, this promise propelled David to a decision to be faithful. He said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we can also take that and apply it to um, our future eternity as well. So the Lord is my shepherd. Can I encourage you with this thought as we close today? Is he your shepherd? If so, are you a good sheep? Are you following close to your shepherd? Are you trusting his provision in your life? Or are you getting anxious and fearful about what the future may hold? As the Lord is trying to lead and guide you down his path, are you faithful to stay on it, or do you want to experience other parts and say, this is kind of boring, I want to venture off this path? Are you remembering the fact that the Lord is present in your life? and He's there in the good times and in the bad. Are you thankful for the Lord's protection? And are you thankful for the Lord's promise? I hope these simple thoughts today have been a blessing and a help to us. Uh, 
on this particular day.